Ladies and gentlemen and others, welcome to a very special episode of Reels Up. You see, we started this podcast a year ago. More with than a dream. We had a dream when we, we started. We had a dream. <laughs> and by a dream, what we had was me assuring B that Reels Up does happen in the television show Criminal Minds. And that it does become a big deal and that this is a good name for our podcast. We had a dream, but mostly we had a name for our podcast that makes no goddamn sense if you aren't already a fan of Criminal Minds. And today, we finally earned it. We have finally earned our name. We've earned it. Not only do they say Wheels Up in this episode. No, no, no. They say Wheels Up twice, my dudes. And what that means is that it is time for us to pop the biggest bottles. <laughs> yeah, I thought that could happen. Listen, we I backed up. I didn't get it on Sharon's desk, but I did we get it all over a myself. Goddamn mess! You do need to clean that up. But I feel like that is so emblematic of this podcast in a much less dramatic sense i did just open my mike's hard black cherry lemonade so you know we're both <laughs> thriving today <laughs> is all of this going in the podcast <laughs> all of this is going in the podcast of course hey welcome to wheels up cue the music <laughs> Now that the fun's out of the way, hi, <laughs> my name is James. That's B. Hey. Um, welcome to our podcast, Reels Up. We're talking about season two, episode five, the aftermath. Isn't it just called aftermath? Perhaps. It is just called aftermath. <sighs> I always think this is the second episode of the L two-parter because it's called aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it the first one? Oh, criminal minds. You would think it would come after something, but no, it's just. Eh. I get, I get that it's the aftermath of Fisher King, but this one should have been called Boogeyman, and the second one should have been called Aftermath. Yeah, I really, I also don't think the name fit, even separate no. of all of L's stuff. The name didn't fit the case they did this episode either. I think Boogeyman would have fit. Yes. This case much better. I think it would have fit the case much better. And it would have fit Elle's arc much better because her whole thing is like, now after that guy broke into her house, she has this boogeyman mm-hmm. in the shadows. Like anyone could be at my house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't like that they called it that. Bad job, Criminal Minds. Minus 10. Y'all could have done this better. <laughs> that's, that's wheels up. Criminal Minds could have done this better. Y'all could have done this better, and That's we will fix line. this show. Yeah. Um, what an episode. Yeah, this is the first episode of Reels Up that we're recording in 2022. That's true. We thought the last episode would go up in 2021. <laughs> we were wrong, and we did look like dumbasses. But this yeah. one, definitely a 2022 episode. <laughs> definitely Throw 2022. Through, baby. <laughs> it has been like a month and a half since we recorded. Yeah, I know. I feel like we haven't. We haven't talked about Criminal Minds in so long. But you have 
true. I talk about criminal minds every day of my goddamn life. We should also, at the top of this episode, we should do a general trigger warning. Oh, yes. Um, Because there's a lot in this episode. Yeah, it's a very heavy episode, actually. Which is sad because we want to be happy and pop bottles. But it is a very, yeah. very be, somber episode. I'm going to be drunk for El Boss Girl... El Greenaway Girl Boss and Girl Murder. Oh, my God. Are you started. already drunk? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, I do... There are... I did make a little note. So definitely trigger warnings for rape, mm-hmm. for talks of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the two big ones. Yeah, that kind of encompasses everything yeah. else. Um, yeah. A lot of like baby talk this episode. A lot of talking about pregnancy and babies and abortions. So if that bothers you, in conjunction with the trigger warning about rape, you can probably yeah. see where we're going. If that bothers yeah. you, you might want to dip out, besties. I do have a couple notes that I do want your thoughts on, B, about the way they talk about rape and abortion and fertility clinics in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's not great. It's not great. No. So that's they kind really of They really go in up. on this fertility doctor who is objectively oh just- not just that, but everybody else is doing. I made a note when Elle, Elle calls the women who go to the fertility clinic desperate to have children. And I was like, they're interested in having children. They're eager to have children. But I, I don't like the word desperate there. Also, there's a lot of reasons people go to fertility clinics besides just single women to get, like, in- artificially inseminated. Like, Right. People go there because they have problems with fertility, period. Yes. Yes, 100%. Like, couples go to fertility clinics to help conceive mm-hmm. um, single women. Just, there are a lot of reasons. Medical reasons. Um... Yeah, I just thought that was very weird. Odd. Yeah, and I don't like the way they portrayed the man in charge like as being skeezy or unschmuck of the episode. Yeah. Um, Cuz he's just a dude. And literally guys- everyone else who works there is female. Even the janitors are female. Yeah, like that's a yes. lot of care to give to your patients j- yes. just to know that they would feel more comfortable yes. with literally all women and the one guy yeah um and also like i mean we'll get there when we get there but like i think derek you know derek's whole thing with penelope is funny but he's also like sexualizing a female co-worker over the phone surrounded by women who have come to the doctor with fertility needs it's weird right it's a, it's that was weird. a weird place i will say it's a funny <laughs> moment yeah. Little weird besties. Yeah, like the nurse is there's a, literally a nurse squatting beside a woman helping her fill out a chart. And like the nurse like looks over her shoulder and Derek's like, it's a work call. And I was like, this is not the place. <laughs> this is not the place for your tight five, Derek Morgan. This yeah. is not the place for your comedy stand-up routine. Very funny, very <laughs> cute. Not the place. Yeah. I have no I have no problem with the conversation. It is the place that it is happening in. It's just 
weird. So let's just talk about this episode. Yeah, sure. Because there's a lot. It's very like a 2006 discussion involving a fertility clinic, you know? Yes. yes like, yes. I feel like we've come a long ways re yeah. like fertility clinics, especially in like that sort of women's Single care women in the last birth. like 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's a little fucking weird <laughs> when they yeah. talk about it in 2006. Yeah. But it is still great. pretty weird, besties. Yeah. Also, um, this is another episode where they talk about religion without actually talking about religion. Yeah. They do a yeah. lot of little skirting around this episode. Yeah. Let's so just let's, get into okay, it. Yeah, let's we get into so it. much to discover. Um, so it starts off, it's very late at the BAU. There's someone waxing the floors. Or very early, it is unclear. It right. is so unclear. But it's like, it's clearly like no one's supposed to be there. This is when they wax the floors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Gideon comes out of his office, steps all over the man's freshly waxed floor. Yeah, what and- the fuck? <laughs> I know, he didn't even go around. He just <laughs> straight past the guy. Um, he finds Alan Reed getting coffee. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? And they're doesn't both like... Doesn't anyone go home? Doesn't anyone go home? And they're like, you're here. And he's like, exactly. Don't model yourself after me. And then JJ like, oh, hey, guys. I'm also here still. Very funny. Um, the thing that confuses me is if it's late or early is because the next time they're on the plane, it's like the sun is coming up. Yeah. So I, like, I mean, I, you know, I think it's supposed to be like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know. Pre-sunrise. Real bullshit hours. Yeah. But then JJ goes, if it makes you feel any better, like Hotch and Morgan left. <laughs> and Reed goes, well, Hotch is married and Morgan is, you know, Morgan. And I, I couldn't tell if this was like a dig at Morgan not liking to work or if this was a dig at Morgan like he's got his ladies. Like, you I couldn't know tell. Morgan is out there smashing that night. Like, you <laughs> Jesus know. Christ. You Morgan know. is like, oh, you're, you're staying? No, um, I do have women to sleep with, actually. <laughs> I'm busy. I've spoken for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, like, this whole thing of them not being at work, like, it is a funny goof, but we've seen several times now that they're not always at work. They have to be brought in or they have to be told to stay. So, yeah. like, it's funny, but it's not necessarily, like, correct. I guess. That's just they me being nitpicky. Pl- they, they play this, they kind of put this into the ground a little bit. Yeah. They're I starting think... to get into like beating this dead horse territory. Yeah. I think this horse stopped. has fallen over. I think they stopped doing it after this. Because remember, this is before we start seeing them hang out outside of work. In the future, we get True. them like getting coffee or like having a friend's night or like at the bar and that hasn't happened yet. So like if we want to see them hanging out, they have to be like, at the at office. work because yeah. clearly Alan Reed are not working. Gideon was in his office working. JJ shows up with a file folder. Reed and Alan just fucking hanging out. <laughs> They're just hanging. They are watching Star Trek on his office monitor or some <laughs> shit. You know, yeah. both like... Al and Reed are like, "No, I'm not letting you into my apartment." But we can hang out at work. And then they stay to work at three a.m. This is a very Spence L <laughs> heavy episode, and I am here for it. It okay. really was, and I do kind of love it. Let's continue. Okay. JJ shows up and they have this cute little moment and then Gideon goes, oh, what are those files? And JJ goes, oh, um, there's a serial rapist in Dayton, Ohio. Who, like, <laughs> it's like how I feel about doing this podcast. We're like, aha, goofs, laughs, goofs. Um, 
actually the Dayton, Ohio Police Department has been having trouble with a serial rapist for the past six months. And you're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Crime show, crime show, crime show. They crime really show. have to take a hard dive. They take a hard left into being like, yeah. oh yeah, there is a problem. JJ there even does issue. that like that like stuttering of like switching gears and makes sense. Yeah. She goes, um, the Dayton, Ohio Police Department has been having trouble with a serial rapist who's been raping girls at a Bible college um for the past six months. Anyway, there were these responsibly <laughs> like she has that like <laughs> she has to like ease herself into it, you know? Yeah. It's like you can't stop a car on a dime. You need to slow down first. Well I mean Hotch is married and Morgan, you know, he's Morgan. He's got them bitches. That's so true. I wish I were with my bitches. Anyway, there's been six serial rapists. It's just it's, it's a hard laugh that is in, like the tonal shift. It's Which is really what coming to my this is what I run into all the time writing fan fiction. Where I'm like, ah ha, ha this is so funny. What are you guys working on? Um, actually there's been ten murders of children in the fan. You're like, oh my bad. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. for laughing at yeah. something else. Like yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Um anyway, five students at a small Bible college, Holy Trinity. Um, I thought this was really interesting that JJ said Bible college. Mm-hmm. There's no assigned, we know it is a Christian religion, but there's no like assigned, it's not a Catholic college or a Christian college or whatever. It's a Bible college. I just thought that was interesting language. It's, yeah, it's interesting, but I also think it's because they don't think that religions other than Catholic and all of its denominations exist yet, you know? It feels like so a Catholic very is safe- a denomination. Whatever, Christian, Christian and all of its denominations. Who cares? Thank you. Um, I, there are people but that like, care. A lot of people care. True. <laughs> but I think it's because the writers of Criminal Minds were like, you need to know this is a Bible college. This is probably primarily white Catholic kids. You know what I mean? Okay, so there's five students, one attack a week, and then nothing for two months. And then nine days ago, the unsub started again with a new victim pattern he has raped two women in their 30s five days apart and the five days apart is important so is the fact that they're in their 30s um they've been at opposite ends of the city and the unsub was waiting at home for them when they arrived and i did make a note that you see Elle's face there's no like flashback yet but you see Elle's face and you're like oh yeah this is like reminiscent of fisher king yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he lives, he leaves voicemails for them. Um, and Reed says it's to freeze them with fear before he even gets there. And But none of them recognize the voice. And his DNA is not in any system. Um, and then Gideon says, <laughs> wheels up as soon as we're cleared for takeoff. Cheers, bitch. Click, Cheers, click, bitch. <laughs> we are just, I know nobody can see this because this is an audio medium, but Jay and I did clink our drinks. Via webcam. Via <laughs> webcam from however many miles away. <laughs> Cross half the goddamn country, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but we did clink, bitch. This is our first ever wheels up. And Gideon sort of says it like wheels up whenever we get 
clear. What does he say? Like whenever we get cleared, wheels up, wheels up as soon as we're cleared for takeoff. Very much just like a throwaway line, but little do they fucking know. Little do they know. Little do they know. Bestie, we're a thousand miles away from each other. Shit, really? Yeah, one thousand ninety-two. Country's big as fuck, huh? Oh my god. Thousand miles away and we're still clink clinking, bitch. What's up? <laughs> hey there, Delilah. What's it like in Lawrence, Kansas? I'm a thousand miles away. I'm right girl. next to Kansas City and you were like, nah, let me do the thing that doesn't fit with the song. <laughs> Lawrence, Kansas, New York City. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, brother. Anyway. They go to we go to Dayton. There's a woman getting a ride home because it's raining. She's got a big red umbrella. And she's like, anyway, thank you. And like gets out of the car. And you're all like, they don't show the driver. So weird. And like he drives away and you're like, ooh. And then the woman goes into the house and she sees a voicemail. She hits it and and the voicemail says, I think we're ready to meet. Trust me. I know what you want. Um, And then there's like a dude in her house who grabs it. And there's like a dude with pantyhose over his head in her house. Yeah. So then, okay, this is another switcheroony moment in terms of tone. We're in the plane. Elle is being emo as shit, listening uh-huh. to an old-ass MP3 player that looks like a voice recorder, but it's like an MP3 player. She's got her shoes off. She's like curled up in her chair with her headphones and her shoes off. Rita's studying a file. JJ's in the back by a printer. Gideon's working. Hotch is working. Derek is listening to music on these big-ass headphones. God, big ass headphones make me laugh so, so goddamn hard. So funny. Uh, and then there's like, I noticed there was a to-go container of food. Like he brought food onto the plane. And I was like, oh, interesting. Nice. Somebody finally brought breakfast. Finally. And then Hotch walks over. Hotch. <laughs> I did laugh out loud at this. Hotch walks over to Gideon and is like, sometimes you forget how many moods there are on a plane. We're all in our separate little spaces, but we're all just reminding ourselves that we're alive and it was like first i was like what bestie weird it's so weird to me when characters are like introspective <laughs> like I hate a, when these characters are self-reflective well like a writer wrote the, these characters to do these things and then made hot say you know there's something about being on a plane and being in your own little mood that really reminds us we're alive <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing. You didn't have to say it. But yeah. then but then he's being all reflective about his plane moods and he's like, it just reminds you you're alive. And then JJ's like, hey, so we got a new victim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once again, it was just like hard left JJ with the punch. Like <laughs> she is really throwing these fucking left hooks with reckless abandon. She's like, oh, sorry, are we being introspective? A woman just got raped. Anyway. Like, also, pause, quick pause, JJ outfit alert. Beep, 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 Okay, she is wearing a white button down with a sweater, okay? Okay. The sweater is about half sleeve, right, to her elbow. It is not buttoned, and it goes only to her waist, right? Yeah. It looks like it's attached to her shirt. It looks like one of those, except later, she's wearing the white shirt without the sweater so how was that sweater staying so glued to her body unless it's just like 
another white button down minus the sweater, but like the sleeves were the same length, the same folds, the the thing, the buttons, everything was the same, except that one of them had a sweater attached to it and one of them didn't. It is, dear listeners, it's an ugly fucking outfit. I'm not going to be like, I think this is so no. cute. I think this no. sweater is atrocious. This is a fashion crime. Once like, JJ like has her first baby, she they like just go, you know what, JJ Milf era. Before <laughs> that, her outfits are painful. ugly as sin. Ugly as sin. Real bad besties. Until she gets hit with that milfification beam, it is not there for her. Her milfification beam. She gets milfized. <laughs> she gets milfed. Milfified. Um, like. Here's I don't, the thing. Like, I, like, they were trying to make her, like, a business bitch, but also, like, the cute, adorable one, but also, like, seething with hidden anger. And the outfits that came out of it were just, like... <laughs> Emotionally, like, they're confusing. Her, they're honestly, confusing. her outfits make me feel confused emotions. Yeah! That's I so don't know true. what to feel when I look at her outfits. Because on <laughs> one hand, I'm like, man, that's ugly as shit. On the other hand, I'm like, well, that's kind of camp, though. But then it's <laughs> not. It's not. It's just ugly. JJ, JJ is like a sportsy chapstick butch masquerading as like a cute business princess. And she doesn't know how to. And, and so all of her work. outfits are hideous, but like in a very like camp way. <laughs> She's I like, I am performing femininity. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I think we should start calling all... I think we should start rating JJ's outfits on a scale of, like, one to camp. You know? <laughs> right. Right. The, 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 the ringlets with the blue eyeshadow <laughs> and the turtleneck with quarter sleeves, full camp. Uh-huh. You know, the white butt... The not tucked in white butt buttoned down with the belt around the waist but no belts on the jeans that's like a nine on a one to ten scale of camp this one i give it i give it like a seven she's like i am wearing a sweater no i will not tell you how it's staying on it's also just so cute like i wore a sweater and a white button up to work today that was my business boy outfit yes right but i wore it like a regular normal human person <laughs> would yeah where i I tucked in my white shirt and I rolled up my sleeves so that the, everything the was The thing together. is, her half sweater, if she tucked in her shirt... It would have been would, cute! No! It would have been tucked in shirt with a belt, so you have a belt if you tuck in your shirt, and then it would have been like three inches of white button down. Oh, that's and, true. And it was like, really... Like a shrunk little sweater. Yeah, what was up? What I hate the it. fuck was the deal? We should move on. <laughs> I know we have to move on and it's about to get I have to put my serious voice back on but JJ's outfit I wrote down all caps what is the truth <laughs> <laughs> what is the make of this what outfit is the make? <laughs> what, what is, is the, the make <laughs> what is the make <laughs> okay serious time they're talking about this woman in her 30s was raped got the voicemail etc Derek and Reed join the convo and Elle stays like in her seat in the plane with her music playing. Elle does not even mm -hmm. pretend to listen. 
Um, and at one point, JJ says, I can't imagine being taunted in my own home. And Gideon says, the voicemails aren't taunts, they're overtures. This guy is a power reassurance rapist, which they do explain later on. Um, uh-huh. He sees the messages as flirting. Um, mm-hmm. So they were like, why change his MOs? There's no connection between the gir- the girls, the young women who went to the college, and the older women who were raped in their homes. Um, they also assume, they make the assumption that everyone going to this Bible college is a religious, which I thought was interesting. Um, I think that's a safe assumption to make, though, honestly. I In guess, general. Sure. Because, like, I know you went to a religious college for your master's, right? Yeah. But, like, most people who aren't religious don't usually consider colleges religious colleges unless it's like Baylor, you know? That's fair. I mean, there are religious colleges that are known for things beyond being religious schools. But then there's some that you're just like, oh, that's a religious school. Okay, that's fair. Um, oh, yeah, this is when my, I made my note that it's a non-denominational Bible college. Um, okay. Casting a wide net to be fishers of men or what the fuck ever. I don't know. I haven't been to Sunday school in a while. What? Casting a wide net to be fishers of men or what the fuck ever the saying is. I've never heard that before. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't think I've ever been to Sunday school in my life. Continue. Okay. (laughs) We get to Dayton, Ohio. We get to the police department. Maggie Callahan. This girl is trying so hard. So hard. So hard. She's trying so hard. I can't tell if it is this actress trying so hard or if it is the character of the detective who is a try hard. Somebody here is trying so hard. So she walks in. They walk in and she's like, hey, what's up? Um, And then she's the one who says, like, we need, like, Rapists have set fantasies, so we need to figure out what change that made his fantasy change um, and what his new fantasy is. Um, And then she says to Gideon, she's like, you know, I'll give you all my case files, but you're going to have to interview a lot of rape victims. It would be better if you had more of a female presence. And Gideon, like, can I stay on the case? And he's like, yeah, of course you can. And she goes, good. Um, in exchange, I need you to stay mad about what happened to these women. She's like, I've been on the case since day one. You know, a lot of these women feel like they haven't been listened to. Mm-hmm. I need you to stay mad at what happened to them. Which I thought was interesting. And they like, they kind of address it a couple of times in this episode. But, you know, there is a whole thing of like, Oh, her injuries were minor. Oh, it was just rape. You know, there is that attitude. Um, And I'm glad that they have a couple of people say that. And I'm glad that the BAU team does take it seriously. Yeah, I'm glad that this detective is so like, I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes the BAU walks into police departments and the police department is sticking there with like their thumbs up their asses not knowing what the fuck to do but this detective i don't know maybe it was just me getting this impression but like i have feeling she would have figured it out eventually 
Yes. But the BAU helps a lot. Yeah. You know, and I think it also says something. This is it. Like a lot of times they go to these, you know, places and the, the cop is like, we couldn't figure it out. So we called you. Whereas this woman was like, when he started again and he changed his MO, I knew that I needed more specialized help. Yeah. To solve it quicker. And that's what it felt like. It wasn't, she didn't, it didn't feel like she was incapable. They just were the specialists, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I like, I like that this cop has like some flavor. Sometimes we go to places and the cops don't have any flavor. This cop, she has flavor and her flavor is try hard and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I don't know if it is the like cop (laughs) who was made to be a try hard or if, what's her name? Delilah Salem, the actress. What a name, number one. I don't know if she was just being, if she was just trying really hard to be good at her job that day, you know? I don't know. But I love it either way. What else has she been in? Um, She has been in ER. Um, She was in General Hospital for a while. Um, She was on Castle. She was in Paul Blart Mall Cop. I might know her from <laughs> Castle. She was also in NCIS and SWAT. I did watch NCIS. But SWAT's she was a fun only one. in SWAT's fun. Shout out to Shamar on Shamar SWAT. Moore. Killing it, my guy. Okay. So then we go to oh, I saw a post someone made on Tumblr that was really interesting that connected L earlier on L talks about like sex crimes and mm-hmm. about how like rape is like quote-unquote like considered a lesser crime than like murder but it can drive you crazy and you can like want to get revenge on that Mm -hmm. and I just think it's interesting that that was established like really early on like that was one of the first few episodes that Elle says you know it can lead you to want to just like kill these guys and then here we are kind of full circle so I do like that yeah um, okay, so they go to the hospital. Hotch, L, and Reed go to the hospital to speak with the most recent victim. And she's basically, I'm going to go through hers and then go to the other side. Yeah. they cut back and forth. Yes. Um, she basically said she's tired of reliving this because you have to tell your story so many times, you know? And I can understand that. Uh, and then she talks about, like, the guy knew, like, all of these things about me. Like, he knew my favorite place was Positano, Italy. He knew that I only drank white wine. He knew that I liked Al Green. And, like, how could he have known those things about me? Nobody would know those things about me. And they ask her, you know, listen to the voicemail again, please. And tell me if the man's attitude is the same in person as it is on the phone. Because he's very confident on the phone. And she says, no, he was nervous in person. Like he was afraid to talk to me. And she's like, why does that matter? And Reed says, you know, you can rehearse a voicemail, Mm -hmm. but you can't hide who you are in person. And she gets very nervous. um, And then Al ends it. Um, Yeah. And when they come into her like hospital room, like she's being like photographed again and like poked and prodded. She's doing she's doing the rape kit. Yeah, and so it's, I like that they come in on this sort of, like, moment of her being sort of, like, and then they're just, like, she's done. You have a blanket. Yeah. Like, just, you can just sit here a while. That's okay. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of time in cop shows, they don't show that, like, 
I don't want to call it like a humiliating moment of the vulnerable moment yeah. of like you have just had this terrible thing happen to you and now you have to have more people touch you and look yeah. at you mm-hmm. you know and it's like you're still in it's like especially if it's happened like it happened you call the cops now you're in the hospital doing this it's it just happened you yeah. know you're still in that brain Mm-hmm. in that moment in your body you know and then you have to have all these people have your fingers their fingers all over you you know and it's it's good to do i don't want to say it's the right thing to do because there's a lot around reporting but you know if if you if this happens to you and you're like okay i'm gonna go get my kit done you know that it's what you want to have done to catch the guy but that doesn't yeah. make it to catch the person but that doesn't make it less easier. Yeah, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make it less less traumatizing or yeah. less. Yeah, it doesn't feel any less like degrading almost. Yeah. So I I like that they showed that and they did the close ups and it like it it was a good trade off. We didn't have to see her getting raped, but we mm-hmm. got to experience a violation in a different way. We, we still got to see the aftermath i hate you so much i know i'm sorry i had to i'm sorry just felt like <laughs> dancing around the word i had to say it i'm sorry it literally was not in my head really i felt <laughs> like you were dancing around it in my brain no. that's where i went immediately sorry uh, no i didn't i was just like we get to see the like trauma of the experience without having to like see someone be raped you know mm-hmm. which i appreciate mm-hmm. hate a rape scene okay mm-hmm. so at the same time this is happening JJ, Maggie, Callahan, and Derek go to speak with a victim at the college. She says she like doesn't remember too much, but then she says, you know, he told me that I should get a dog or have my parents' dog come stay with me. And she was like, how could he know the name of my parents' dog? You know? Um, Sorry. I have to tell you a discovery that I just made on the IMDb page for this episode. My favorite place to be while we are recording all the time, obviously. This, the actress for this college student, Cheryl, Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Tuffet Schmezzly. I'm not kidding you. Could you spell that for me? Tuffet, T-U-F-F-E-T. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet. And then the last name is S C H M E L Z L E. Schmezzle? Schmezzle? Schmezzle. Tuffet Schmezzle. Honestly, what a name. What? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not what? What a name, huh? <laughs> what a name. That's a good What name. a name. <laughs> what a name. Yeah. Sorry. I no, had to interrupt us to say that. Yes. As you should. Um, okay. So she's like, how would he know about my parents' dog? And then they're like, you know, Maggie and JJ are like, you know me men, like this or that. And the girl says, I don't know too many 
guys. Like, I don't know a lot of guys. And JJ, like, looks at Derek, and Derek nods and, like, leaves them alone. And I thought that was, like, a really nice, like, yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, And then they have, the, this is the conversation where the girl says, you know, they think that because it was, you know, quote, unquote, just rape, that he didn't end your life. Um, you know, and Maggie is like, did you talk to someone like I said? And the girl says, you know, there's the priest on campus. And Maggie's like, no, but how about a woman? Talk to a woman. Um, I like Maggie the cop, actually. I've decided I I like her a lot, actually. Yeah, I do too. I think it's also like that moment was an interesting moment for me in like, it does say something about religion that so mm-hmm. many of uh, like the people that you would go to when you're in need in religion tend to be men. Yes. And so it's like, who do you turn to when you're struggling with being near men? Yeah. You know, and I thought that was a really interesting moment that they're like, why don't you find like a woman to talk to? Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. Uh, and then the woman looks at JJ and says, you know, the doctors said there were only minor injuries. And we see again, like, the photographs that were taken mm-hmm. when she was doing her rape kit. And JJ has a really, like, comforting sentiment of, like, you know, if you're being robbed at gunpoint and you give them your wallet, like, that's... People say that's the best, smartest thing to do, you know, and like you did what you needed to do to live. Um, And it was like, on the one hand, I was like, as much as it sucks, like, you're right. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like, do what you got to do to stay alive. But then on the other hand, I was like, the girl just said she felt like this rape ended her life. So like... Maybe not the best time for that sentiment, Jage. I mean, but like, I do get it. Like, cause you know, you can go to therapy and you can, you know, get your life back. Like mm-hmm. people say, you know, so I guess it is better to be alive than not. Um, but yeah, it was just like an interesting thing. Also, JJ was wearing Ross's necklace. Oh, really? That's nice. Yeah. We don't know it's Ross's necklace yet, but she was wearing it. Um... And then I wrote this down because we just talked about it. JJ hugs the girl. Yeah. We had just talked about how Elle does not ever touch the, touch the women she talks to. She never yeah, comforts them with And she doesn't hugs. in this episode either. No. She hands her a blanket and that's about she, it. She like throws a blanket at her. And leaves. Yeah. 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 Whereas JJ like hugged the girl and like comforted her. And I thought that was really nice. <laughs> we, I think we pointed this out in an earlier episode that when they talk about um, rape or sexual assault jj always has like a a, a a discomfort about it like you can always see her like take a moment to compose herself and they mm-hmm. never that never goes anywhere but it happened again i think in this episode where mm-hmm. jj like said that to the girl so like here is the thing i say and then hugs her and, like has that look in her eyes and later we see her like staring into the mirror and I was just like, Jage, what happened to you, baby? <laughs> baby girl, I'm so sorry. Um, okay. So, two SUVs pull up to the hotel lobby. Oh, 
he is not listed in the IMDb, but we see the pilot again. There is one, yes, there is one car that is Hotch, JJ, the pilot, and the other car is Derek Reed L. Oh, shit. There's a sixth person, a black man, same build as the pilot we saw in Fisher King Part 2, with them. And I went to the- He's not credited on the IMDb, but who else would that be if not the pilot? pilot. Yeah. I'm on to you, Criminal Minds. I got my eagle eyes on you, Criminal Minds. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking watching, Criminal Minds. I also made a note of what everyone's bags were. Reed has, like, these bright orange leather bags that are, like, very cute, but very, like, gay. Um, His mom got them for him. They're very, like, I'm I'm a gentleman, and I need classy leather I'm an Bats. adult. Yeah, because his... The kind of person who would be called a dandy, basically, is what we're saying. <laughs> I'm not trying to say, like, one of those gay guys, but... But, like, <laughs> his his work messenger bag is the same leather as his go bag, as his suitcase. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, oh, this man walked into a Brooks Brothers and bought a set, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compare that to Derek has this hard black rolling suitcase very mm-hmm. just like yeah i can throw this bitch up a three-story building and it's fine rolling <laughs> suitcase which is very dark jj okay i did some googling her bags louis vuitton are you fucking kidding me are i'm serious <laughs> she's got her go bag and her suitcase and they're fucking louis vuitton i posted it in our um the timeline where i keep all the info about the characters too I posted a picture because Bestie, see, JJ is, I got my first paycheck from the FBI. I'm going to have to travel a lot. I'm treating myself. And then she's going to use the same suitcase. Her is Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Oh my God. Yeah, I found it. It is Louis V. Okay. That's, yeah, damn. (laughs) Derek just has, like, two black leather sacks. I'm pretty sure it's, like, a bag with his toilet cheese and then, like, a suit garment bag. You know, the kinds that fold in half and clip. He just got two leather sacks. He's like, I brought three suits and my toothbrush. <laughs> like, that's that's all I need. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then Elle has, like, a very simple, like, blue leather, like, bag that's just, like, probably waterproof. But it was, like, nothing special. Um... Everyone's going else in the back. And she's like nervously looking over her shoulder a few times. And then Reed stops and like notices that she's hanging back and asks what's up. And she's like, oh, I left my glasses in the car. And he's like, oh, I'll stay with you while you go get them. And she's like, no, we need sleep. And then they go inside. I actually do like this moment from Reed. I do too. Oh, I'll stay. I'll stay with you. He's very perceptive in this episode. Yeah, this episode feels very perceptive of him. And then sometimes he is just deliberately obtuse. I think that sometimes he plays up his obtuseness. Like if he doesn't want to deal with something, he's just like, I do not notice. (laughs) I simply do not see it. (laughs) (laughs) He really is just like, I am not going to act like I see this so that you don't ask me to. I think also, though, she's, like, very clearly, like, exhibiting behaviors that are troubling. Yeah. And everyone else is, like, 
doing the thing where they purposefully <laughs> ignore it. Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. And I don't know if it's this, like, change happens because of the drug problem he has later on in season two. But I feel like after this, he gets very much less perceptive. Or he very much, like, doesn't acknowledge the fact that he sees as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think Elle kind of burns him. We see it a little bit in this episode, and we'll see more of it, you know, coming up. But I think it really, because Elle's the first person who leaves, you know? Yeah. And she was really, like, on his side this whole time, like, encouraging him and supporting him and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff. And then he sees her hurting and he tries to comfort her and she literally, later in this episode, smacks his arm away. Yeah. And ignores him, you know? And so I think that she kind of burns him a little bit. And then what we do see, like, he and Emily have a very, like supportive relationship like that where he does notice when she's upset mm-hmm. you know he's the one who notices the Lauren Reynolds is dead thing you know like they're very perspective of each other um but I also think that like when Derek gets upset Reed will try to comfort him and Derek shuts him down you know and like JJ has a husband so he's like I don't gotta worry about her you know <laughs> Hot is dating someone I don't gotta worry about him you know. I think there's just like a point where Reed stops trying. Stops reaching out. Yeah. I do think that the drugs, and not to spoil too much, but the drugs do change him. And I think it's because everyone ignores his struggle. Like he is so clearly not okay. Yeah. That and might be every- it. And everyone ignores it. And then they mention it later and we know about it. So Except it's, it's for like, Emily, who do, who tries not to ignore it. Right. Emily's the only one who says anything about it and tries to be nice to him. And he's mean to her and everyone lets him be mean to her. Because they, if, they, if they tell him to stop being mean, they have to acknowledge why he's being mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I felt really bad for him in this season when I was kind of shutting him down. Because it shows that he has that kind of like kind, compassionate, thoughtful side. Uh, he's like, it, yeah, he's making an effort. He's trying. Yeah. yeah, and it gets him burned. Anyway. Anyway, the next scene is a car driving into a driveway, and the man's, like, taking pictures of the woman as she enters. Cool. Um, then we get this cute little, like, panorama going I from like room this to room. One. Me too. I like these little, like, dollhouses yeah. they have set up almost. Yeah. I like these. Yeah. So Hotch is making coffee during work. There's a little folding picture frame. And yeah. one side has Jack and one side has Haley. I would like to bring this to everyone's attention. We have another mysterious dog. <laughs> there is a dog in that picture with Haley. Haley is in a bubble bath. There is a dog there. Who is that dog? Who is that dog? Is Hot supposed is to have dog? a dog? Is Hot like is this Clooney 2.0? We literally never get their name. Come on, <laughs> Conan Wise needs to stop doing this because they do this with Rossi too. Rossi has a dog in his first scene and then his dog is never mentioned again. I love these ghost dogs that the BAU has. <laughs> yeah, you just like has dogs for a day and then they're like, that's enough. Fine. <laughs> the, only, the only one that is fine is Sergio. And Emily literally, we learn, has a cat sitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, okay. 
Hot only has one bed. Great. Derek is looking at a map. Derek has two beds. I made a note of how many beds every room's had. I thought it was interesting. Why? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, Derek is looking at a map. And then, okay, I know this is because of like the flow of it, but he picks up his map and then he goes over and just like holds it up to the mirror. And I was like, I get that this is because Gideon is taping things to his mirror. So we had to have like the flow, but like, what does that accomplish? I should note for everybody's listening, the way that these scenes are presented, it's oh. like a vertical slice of their hotel rooms and the camera is slowly panning over. So right. you see like, people going through in their hotel rooms you get like a side view of their hotel rooms yeah. like they're in little dioramas basically yeah like the hotel rooms are all next to each other so it's like hotch walks from left to right and then morgan walks from left to right and then gideon left to right like that um so then we get to gideon's room and he's taping things to his mirror and he picks up the next picture but there's a knock at the door so he goes to the door and it's maggie callahan and she's like hey i got a room at the hotel and he's like, you live four blocks away. And she's like, yeah, I didn't want to be uh, separated. I didn't want to miss any work. Which is like funny, except later she does say she has a daughter. Yeah. We can assume her husband is a stay-at-home dad. I feel like she would have a male wife. Yeah, you know? Jane will. I feel like she would have a house husband. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like Callahan would have a house husband. So I'm... Yeah. He and I the just, kid like, are like doing movie night and like making a little blanket fort in the in the living room or something, waiting for the cute. mom to finish up this case. Yeah. That's what I'm choosing yeah. to believe for this episode. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, so then she goes like straight to his suitcase where he has a robe stuffed into his suitcase, and she goes, "You stole a robe," and he goes, "They're complimentary." <laughs> She says nothing else. I think that is so <laughs> fucking funny. That is had, so funny. I just had like this image where they're like forced to have a day off, but like none of the team sleeps well unless they're like in a hotel. So they have like a little sleepover where they turn someone's apartment. They have all the robes. They've all stolen the stupid coffee packets. They've got the tiny little like hand soaps. They've got like, <laughs> you know, the notepads. Yeah. They they just have the ability to come together and recreate a hotel room from all the shit they've stolen. Like none of them buy soap or shampoo. They just use it at a hotel. Take it, take it, take it, take it. You know. God, the sad part is they definitely could. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the sad yeah. part. Is you yeah. could tell me none of these bitches care about their hair, and I would believe you wholeheartedly, oh. which is the scariest part, you know? That hurts. That hurts a lot, actually. Yeah. Doesn't it? Right. Doesn't it? It hurts. It does. Okay. Maggie is like, when we were talking to Cheryl on campus, she said something. The, that's the girl who was saying, um, just because you've been, just because you didn't die doesn't mean your life hasn't been ended. She mm -hmm. says, so many lives here have been ruined. Which makes leads Maggie to remember that twenty percent of rape victims, one in five rape victims, do not report the crime. And because it is a Catholic college, these uh, religious college, these young women might not be inclined to report it. So he could have more victims that we just don't know about, and one of those victims is why. Um. He stopped and changed his MO. Yeah. One of them could have triggered him. So Gideon's like, you're right, we'll look into that. And then <laughs> Maggie like looks at the mirror 
and then it fades into another mirror and it's JJ just staring hard at herself in the mirror being all angsty and I was like JJ my baby and then she goes to the bed and she has like all of the victims pictures laid out Uh which I really liked this because it's really like here's how JJ does her work you know, yeah, it's her, really it's... interesting to see how each of them did their yeah. extra work, you know? Yeah, Hodge is going over files, Morgan's looking at the map, um, Gideon is picking, picking up the pictures, like a victim profile, JJ is looking at all of the women, looking for connections, you know, that kind of stuff, and then Reed is, um, oh yeah, JJ only has one bed, Gideon only has one bed, Reed only has one bed. He's got books open on the bed and he's standing there thinking and then he just like bolts out of the room. Uh, and we go to Elle's room. Elle has two beds. We go to Elle's room. There's already two empty liquor bottles on the table and she's getting more out of the mini fridge. There's a knock. She opens it. It's Spencer. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, why wouldn't I be okay? And then he just goes into the room. <laughs> she's like, yeah, that. sure. Come in. Like, I, it's very much like little sibling who is running yeah. into your room when you had the door locked energy. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And she's all like, don't profile me. And he's like, I'm not profiling you. I'm just like being a friend. Like, um, and he's like, let's, can we talk, please? And she's like, fine. And so she sits and she like pours one of the little things into her cup and then she gets him a cup. I think it was gin. Um, disgusting. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so then Elle tells him that when she was shot, the unsub put his fingers into her wound to get the blood to write on the wall. And she could like feel him inside of her. Um, And I was like, that's really interesting. Like it is a violation, you know? Yeah. It's not rape in the way we think of it, but it is like an unwanted penetration by the act, you know? And she's like, sometimes I still feel his fingers like inside my body. And Reed's like, what do you want? And she's like, yeah, great. Which like, Reed has a very unhelpful sentiment of like, well, I mean, you lived. Like, yeah, thanks, he's, he's saying that exact thing. Yeah. You know, you didn't die, so it's fine. And like, there are things, as we both learn very soon, that are worse than death. Yeah. You know? Um, so the next morning, they're giving the profile. They name four kinds of rapists. One mm-hmm. is the... Um, hold on a second. One is the power assertive rapist, whose goal is to traumatize and get power over the victims. And then there's the angry one and the sexual sadist, who those two are about random, brutal attacks, violent attacks. And this guy is a power reassurance rapist where he tries to get something positive out of the experience. Yeah. Um, And he only targets, he's the only kind of rapist to target a specific victim. And they tell them that for him, this is a fake relationship. He's trying to get access to their lives. So what they need to do is look for the overlap. What's the same between the school and the older women? You know, and the guy, he probably lives alone so that he can indulge in these fantasies. You know, because of the age range of people, they can't narrow his age down that much. 
he's between 20 and 40. They say that his profession is something that he would consider demasculating and it deviates from gender roles, traditional gender roles, such as a secretary. I don't think that really comes to anything. It really doesn't because they make a note that the fucking everybody at his place of employment matches his profile pretty much, you know, like they make a note later. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I could see like, not, it's not like demasculating, but like. Working in a call center sucks so much ass. Yeah. And also so much ass. They make a point of saying that he's 28. He has a bachelor's degree. He's had 10 jobs in the past, like five years. And now he works at a call center. And like, there's nothing wrong with working at a call center as a person, but you could be prideful and see it as like a, an empty nowhere kind of job, you know? And I think that's. As somebody who just worked at a call center recently, it sucks so much ass. Yeah. Even if you like the calls you're answering, it still sucks so goddamn much. Yeah. And he was, like, telemarketing. Yeah. So it's not even, like, helping people. Um, Okay. So then JJ comes in and says that there was a woman on campus who committed suicide. Uh, It wasn't reported. And the reason she brings it up is because it corresponds to when the attacks at the school stopped. So... Oh, I really like this moment. They show the picture of the girl who committed suicide and on the BAU's like board. And uh-huh. then it like seamlessly transitions to the unsubs like collage. His weird and, collage. Yeah, and you like see his eyes, you see him putting cologne on, you see him like getting dressed, putting in his contacts, and then it goes back to the BAU board. And I was just like, whoa. I also made a note, hey, where is Penelope? <laughs> She's just, like, not at all in this episode yet. She shows up soon, but this is the point where I was like, hey, I miss Garcia, actually. (laughs) We've gotten to the point where you're like, oh, I feel like something's missing. I have a Garcia-shaped hole in my heart. I do have a Garcia-shaped hole in my heart. Um, Okay. Hotch and Maggie go to talk to the parents of Shelly, who is the girl who committed suicide. And they ask her, like, was she raped is that why she killed herself and the mom's like no and the dad's like she always handled stress with grace she got grades and she did this and she did that but she's always been good at it and they're like was there suicide no and the mom says no and they're like okay we'd really love to see her suicide note it would really help us we'll give it back and then maggie's like i have a daughter i like if, if this happened to my daughter i would want to stop other people with daughters from going through the same thing and then the mom's like, I'm going to take a nap. And just, like, leaves. Uh, and it's very cute that as soon as she stands up, Hosh leaps to his feet like a gentleman. Yeah. He is a little gentleman. He's like, oh, the woman is standing. I'm standing too. It's very um, much like in those moments you're like, oh, right, you were raised in, like, a proper Southern Virginian family. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it was very, just a cute little, like, touch for Hosh. And I was like, good for you. Um, okay, and then the wife leaves and the husband is like, I'll see you out. And then just like, wait, silently is like, wait. And then he gets the note. The note, okay, here's the thing. It was just like in the drawer of their entranceway table. Her suicide I note. I think 
it is mostly it looks like it's in like a junk drawer because I think the mother was trying to treat it as such. Oh, because she was you know trying I mean? to ignore that she'd been sexually. She assaulted. was trying to <laughs> yeah. ignore it. Yeah, exactly. I think not give it any weight. Okay, that makes sense. It's sort of it's sort of like implied because like everything else that is in that drawer is just like ads in like a newspaper and shit. Right. It it to me says junk drawer, you are trying to ignore this note. But still the way the father like handles it as he takes it out still says he has a great deal of like reverence and care yeah. for it. And the fact that he hands it over. And he like he like stops her right before Callahan takes it and he's like, I love my wife. Yeah. And they're both like, Yeah, yeah, you do, but you also love your daughter. Like you wanna yeah. help this happen to nobody else. Like it's so Yeah, it is. <sighs> um and this is so this is what I was saying before. There's such a good worth... moment. It is a good moment. This is the moment that I said like there's something's worse than death, you know. We find out the unsub got pregnant. And she got her pregnant. The unsub got her pregnant, this girl, Shelly. Yes. And Shelly refused to have an abortion. But Mm -hmm. she didn't want to bring a rapist's baby into the world either. So she committed suicide. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be a little heavy talk, but Mm -hmm. I thought this was like tragic, but also interesting. Mm -hmm. Because by killing herself, she's also killing this baby yes but she doesn't have to live with having killed her baby yes that i thought that was like it's one of those things where like when you're young and religious but not because you have explored your own religion and you have come to your own ideals you're kind of you've been handed religion raised in a certain way it's hard to grapple with like what would be worse, the sin of abortion or the sin of suicide and abortion? Like, you know, like she really was like, I have, like for her, she's like, I have to kill this baby, but I cannot live with myself if I do. Yeah. So I'm going to kill both of us. And I think it's, again, they do a lot of like talking around religion in this app. And I don't know. It's very difficult and heavy and I'm not religious enough to get into it. You know? But, like, Mm -hmm. it's just... It's a very... I mean, like, this is one of those hotly contested issues within the church, too, right? The sin of suicide versus the sin of abortion versus the sin of trying to love a sinner, that sort of thing. Like, it's very... I can see why she chose to do what yes. she did yes exactly and i think that's what makes it more tragic is you can like understand the logic of it yeah one thing i think that was interesting that they never brought up was the idea of virginity it seems it seemed a little weird to me that they were like talking around religion at this non-denominational bible school but they never brought up virginity except for that like little tongue-in-cheek like um, Cheryl was like, I don't have a lot of experience with boys kind Basically of moment. Basically saying she was a virgin. Yeah. That yeah. was the only kind of thing that we did, it, that we got. Yeah. But... And I, I think it's it was something, I wish they'd mentioned it even once. Because later when we figure out the whole thing is about having, it's he's about, he wants to have a child. Start a family, quote unquote. Yeah. They say that he targeted religious girls because they were less likely to have an abortion. Yes. Which I understand. Um, which we see, but 
I think there's also something there about, because they, they bring up how once we learn about the fertility clinic and that he gets them at the end of the hormone regimen, but before they can be inseminated to make sure that it's his child, there's something there about like choosing virgins so that if they get pregnant and keep the baby, he knows it's his. You know, he'll have been the only man it's possible to be. Yeah. Which I thought was really, like, from an unsub psychology, interesting. You know, that he wanted to make sure it was his, wanted to make sure, you know, but the show didn't didn't bring that up as a point. The show had a lot to grapple with, and I don't think it wanted to go into religion like they did. Criminal Minds keeps picking religion as the background of a crime and then refusing to talk about religion. And honestly, it pisses me the fuck off. Like if you're not going to talk about how religion affects people's choices and could influence an unsub, then don't fucking make your episode religious. It's very, it's very much you want to have your cake and eat it too, isn't it? Where you like want to be vague enough to appeal to the most general audience, but you also want to have something interesting to say about religion, but you also don't want to offend anybody. But, 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 but. Yeah, it's like, I feel like they keep dipping their toes into something very interesting about religion. They do it over and over again. We've already seen it with the religious cannibal guy. We saw it in Compulsion. Mm-hmm. We saw it in The Popular Kids. We saw it in this episode. We'll see it again in Demonology, where they keep being like, religion is a huge part of American culture. There are a lot of people whose religion affects their decisions and affects the way they perceive the world. And there are a lot of people for whom religion would complicate their reaction to trauma but the show refuses to talk about religion. Yeah. And the only time they talk about it is when we get Gideon fucking bullshit mansplaining Islam in Lessons Learned, which we'll get to soon. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this yeah. is not the way to do it, Bestie. Like, stop, Criminal Minds. Either say something about religion or don't. Like, <laughs> They're really how- trying to like edge you to yeah. Jesus, aren't they? They're really trying to edge the big JC here. And I don't it's think not so. good. <laughs> I think what they're doing is, I think you're right about having your cake and eating it too, where someone who is religious will watch this show, will watch this ep- like this episode specifically, and pick up on everything I'm saying. They'll pick up on the nuance. Yeah. And the show doesn't have to do it for them. But then if you're not super religious, you know, or you're not in the Christian, you know, denominations you can understand things like religious people don't like abortion religious girls would be embarrassed about sex you know and you don't need to go any deeper than that so they're really trying to like they keep it in this weird like it's surface level enough that if you're not religious you're not going to think about it yeah you're not gonna think about it too hard and if you are really religious you're gonna pick up on all these little details and make the episode deeper than it is. And it just It's really a make-your-own-iceberg situation. It is a make-your-own-iceberg situation. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but it feels correct. 
it feels right. No, but it is, but it is though. Like I, we don't have to think this deeply about the religion in this episode because it's not a big part of this episode. It's very yeah. surface level. But if we wanted to, and we do, we can make our own fucking icebergs. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I think I mean to get big picture with it. As much as I complain and I hate it, I do think that this technique that the criminal mind writers do of making something both surface level and nuanced is part of why the show is so fascinating. It's interesting because everybody can make different icebergs. Yeah. And like all of the characters, like this is like when we say the characters are well, are well-rounded and are stereotypes. It's like, they give you enough that you can leave it surface level. Like there are people who see JJ and they see blonde, straight, like pretty, pretty, you know, whatever. And they don't see past that. And then there are people who see these little tiny things and put that together to create their own character. And then you can do the same thing with any other character on the show. You can take them at face value or you can give, take the, they don't want to have their own cake and eat it too. They say, here are the ingredients for a cake. Go bake it yourself. Yeah. And I think that's why I love Criminal Minds. I love baking my own cakes. And it's why I hate Criminal Minds. Because I watch television to be spoon-fed cakes. I love making cakes. I hate doing the goddamn dishes. Yes. That is our Criminal Minds uh, (laughs) metaphor. I love cake. I love eating cake. I love baking cake, but I hate doing dishes. That's I how I feel about Criminal Minds. That is how I feel about Criminal Minds. And then sometimes they give you all the ingredients plus two extra ones. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with these? these They're like, these... I don't know, remix, go wild. <laughs> <laughs> go wild. <laughs> or they'll give you all the ingredients and then the wrong recipe. And you're like, I'm sorry, the last episode was in November. Why is this episode in October? Oh, but the next one is December. So what is the truth? So what is the truth? I hate the show, but I love the show. God I love damn it, Criminal my Minds! Little icebergs. God damn it, Criminal Minds! You got me again. All right. Next scene. Get. I have so many notes. <laughs> I have like eight more pages. Okay. We're like not even that far into the episode. We need to pick up the pace. Here's the thing, though. When I started watching this episode, I did the thing. I got. I was like, I've got to be halfway through this episode. And I was like 12 minutes in. And I was like, oh, no, this is one of these episodes. Gideon, Reed and Elle go to see the last victim again. They ask her, like, did the guy mention anything about suicide? Did he mention anything about, like, having a family or, like, the loss of a loved one or whatever? And the woman says no. And then they mention that Shelly committed suicide because she found out she was pregnant. And then the woman says, oh, my God. I'm trying to have a baby. I had an appointment at the fertility clinic five days before I was attacked. Nobody else knew. And then she says, like, I want to have a kid, but I don't want to rape the right guy. I would just have adopted a child because there are many needy children in the world. But okay. They find out that the other older victims also went to that same clinic. Um, And Gideon tells Elle to go find the employment records. But Gideon tells Elle to call Garcia to find employment records. And then they're like, but why the five days? And Reed says the most common fertility drug is clomiphene, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes five days to cycle through. And so like the clinic wouldn't want to inseminate them until that drug regimen was complete. So they realize that the guy notes that. So he rapes these women before they can be inseminated to guarantee paternity. And this is when they say that the religious girls wouldn't want to have an abortion. And now the older women want to have babies. And this is when Elle says, these women are desperate to have a baby. And I was like, mm. I don't like that word desperate. Yeah. They want to have a baby. Like, I don't, yeah, I just don't like that mentality of like, wow, you want to have, you're so desperate for a baby, you won't wait for a husband. Also, like, bitch, husbands are annoying. Husbands take work. (laughs) But also, like, the woman says she's 38. She's like, even if I'm, like, even if she met a man tomorrow, they wait two years to have a kid and then she's 40. And then, like, the success rate of giving birth is far much lower, lower and will only get low and it can take years to get pregnant like i get it and also like having a baby doesn't prevent you from finding a husband later you know because like obviously the guy you're gonna get or i shouldn't say husband having a child being a parent does not prevent you from being being in a relationship with somebody else later yeah. you know because presumably the partner that you get with wants kids because you want kids you know or so, they're just a nice person who's chill with the fact that you have a kid. Yeah, that you come like, with a child. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that I'll cause a desperate for a baby. Again, this is Elle, like, they put such misogynistic language in Elle's mouth. Like, again and again. She's really, like, trying to be one of the boys. I think that's, like, one of the things that really prevents me from liking Elle a lot is just that She's like, girl, boss, I'm a girl and I'm tough. I'm a woman and I'm this and I can do that and I can do that. I can hang with the boys. Right. But then when it comes to other women, she's so shitty to other women. Yeah. And I don't like that at all. It sucks. She sucks, kind of, sometimes. No offense, Elle, but you kind of suck sometimes. Actually, offense, Elle kind of sucks a lot. She kind of, well, listen. (laughs) Um, Okay. So they say, well, the unsub, like, the reason he changed his pattern was because he knew that Shelly was pregnant. So if he knew that Shelly was pregnant, he has to be watching his past victims to see if they got pregnant or not. So Gideon is like, tell Maggie Callahan to have patrols watching everyone who's on that victim list. And then um, part of the idea of a how a reassurance rapist is that he thinks of this all as a love story. He's starting families. These women want babies and he's giving them babies. And when they have it, they'll have a baby together. You know? Yeah. 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 It really makes your skin crawl, doesn't it? It, especially like, I don't condone Al shooting this guy, but fuck, I hate this man. I hate this dude so goddamn much. And, like, that last scene where he's, like, I, like you wanted me to thank you. Like, thank you for letting me go. You made a bunch of women really happy. I was, like, this dude is <laughs> asking for it. Not to be, like, he's asking for it, but, like, he's asking to get shot. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Um, okay, so they're at the clinic. Gideon, okay. Reed, and Al go to the clinic, the fertility clinic, and Derek. 
That guy is the only man. He's like, seriously, I'm the only man. Everyone else is, I have all female employees. The cleaners are women. The male people are women. Everybody is a woman. Except for me. Yeah. So it is the main doctor is the only guy here. Yeah. Yeah. And so immediately they're like, he's an unschmuck. He's a guy. He's a guy. He's a guy. Honestly, all men, unschmucks. All men, potential unschmucks. Yes, all men. Um, he says that fertility clinics have bad margins. They can close at any time. They make a comment later that, like, this is, like, a fairly... It's, like, a small city, but, like, this is the only fertility clinic. And they were, like, it probably doesn't get a lot of business. But, like, if you're the only fertility clinic in the city, you probably get a lot of A lot business. of business. So in I Daytona, Ohio? Daytona's yeah. not a small city by any means, by the way. Daytona is a fairly a large city. city. Yeah, they keep calling it like a small city. He's the only fertility clinic. And I was like, that would not, he would not have bad margins. The only fertility clinic for a whole city. Like, he His would be numbers are bank. probably pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, the guy's like, oh, you think it's me? I had a vasectomy years ago. It's not me. Just funny, actually. Um, I think that's a funny. I just yeah. think he's like. Anyway, my shit snipped, besties. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not getting anyone pregnant. Okay. (laughs) Um, Then they point out the questionnaire that everyone like fills out. And that's how the man would know because he sells the forms to a company called First Hand Media that do targeted advertising. Which like, I hate that. I hate hate that. I hate when I just start getting emails from companies that I've never given my email to. And I'm yeah. like, someone fucking sold my email again. Stop it. Like, <laughs> Stop it, please. I clean out my email inbox like every two months. Why does this keep happening? Then I will just go through and like unsubscribe to like eight different companies that have decided to start sending me emails. And I'm like, fuck you. Leave me alone. Fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. You don't know what I want. You don't know what I like. You don't know me. Sometimes I get emails that I'm like, oh, this is based off my Instagram. Like who I follow on Instagram. And I'm like, this is not representative of me. Like, congratulations. You're selling me, like, nutrition bars. From that time three years ago, I followed, like, 15 gluten-free cooks on Instagram. <laughs> whose, whose pages I never look at. Your targeted marketing is wrong. Like, I don't it's want this. kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. And then we see Penelope. And Penelope's here. Penelope. Finally. Yeah. And Morgan gives her the name of the marketing company and they find out that they, okay, she's, he's like, is there any connection between this marketing company and the school? And she says, oh yeah, they process all of the orientation forms for the college. And he goes, that's a beautiful thing. Which like, I know he's flirting, but like, it's kind of not a beautiful thing. Because, like, that guy does the work proliferation, there, The proliferation of companies selling our data and conglomerating it is not a beautiful thing, besties. No, like, on the one hand, like, ill that. On the on other the hand. On the other hand, ew. this rapist does work there. Like That is sure. how this man found his victims. Yeah, so not a beautiful thing. I did put a sad face right next to that. Uh, and then he says, what do you get when you type sexy and brilliant into the computer? And she goes, oh, would you look at that? It's me. And he goes, you are a goddess woman. Ciao. And then like all the women are staring at him and he goes, it was, it was a work call. 
And he like walks away, which again, funny, but also funny. not the primer place. Like this is like the- it's very comical though. Like <laughs> in a in a clinic full of Derek Morgan is undoubtedly the most hyper masculine thing in that clinic. Yeah. And he's out here being like, thank you, baby. Like, it's just funny to me. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's comical to me. I feel like there's some, like, at least they didn't make a joke about, like, just give him a couple dates with Morgan, you know, like. Yeah. They yeah. could have gone that route of, like, Derek will give him kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that because it felt like it was so close to being It that. was, like, so close to that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So then they go to the marketing firm. Gideon, read it out. Gideon is chewing on a toothpick like a weird old man. He is like going to town on this motherfucking toothpick. Like, I know that's a thing people do. And like, I, I stim with chewing on things. But it was just like. His toothpick was job. like. It was like entirely in his mouth, too. And it's just like, like toothpicks are something you give like cowboys. He is a cowboy. He's a modern day cowboy. In what way is Jason Gideon anything like a cowboy? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. He's... No, come on. Give it to me. No. Here's the thing. He is an arbiter of justice. What does that have to do he... with being a cowboy? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most cowboys in Wild West movies, if we're talking about the American, like, ideal of, like, the cowboy, right? Like, the No, Mar-a-Bro I'm talking man, about, like, like, an actual guy who herds cattle. How is Jason Gideon anything like an actual cowboy? He's like a Lone Ranger type motherfucker. Are you telling me that you're, like, Criminal Minds, the television show, would sooner draw a parallel between Jason Gideon and people who actually herd cows than it would between Jason Gideon and... The fucking Lone Ranger? Are you fucking kidding me? They tried to make this motherfucker a Lone Ranger Ranger wasn't a cowboy. He wasn't a cowboy. He was a Western outlaw. Cowboys were hardworking people who herded cows. Yes, but if we are talking American media stereotypes, that's a motherfucking cowboy. Like, (sighs) he's a fucking... They wanted to make him like Clint Eastwood. Yeah! And he's not. He's just Jason Gideon. They wanted to make him the fucking, like, Marbo Man. They wanted to make him <laughs> that dude. I hate that. Sorry he's you like, forget about American media stereotypes. Of fucking course I know cowboys actually herded cows. <laughs> it's just a million times more interesting <laughs> to talk about their outsized impact on American media movies. Fuck you! Listen, I watched a lot of spaghetti westerns growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway. This episode's kind of a mess, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's about as much of a mess as we are. All right. All of the workers who work for the marketing firm get access to everything because the guy's like, we like to switch it up and keep getting too bored, which like, all right. And then Elle's like, tell us who worked with this. We can get a ward within an hour. And the guy's like, they're just doing profiling. If you think about it, then we're, we're profiling people just like you are. And then Gideon goes, try not to think about it. And I was I'd like, not. I mean, 
Like he's not wrong. He's wrong. That's the whole thing. Creating profiles to target ads to people who fit the profile for the ad. Like he's not wrong. He's correct. (laughs) Um, It just sucks because capitalism. All right. So then he gives them like a box of papers. Here's the thing. It's not even that big of a box of papers. But they're like, they're like, all of this? And I was like, it's one, like, box of papers. I don't understand. You probably most. Um, Okay. And then he, like, give the profile and he goes, yeah, everyone fits that profile. It looks around and it's all white men between 20 and 40. Who are all socially awkward. Yeah, I was like, okay. Wow. That's what you are, aren't you? A white man between 20 and 40 who's socially awkward. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah i mean yeah sure yeah. yeah correct mood police station l is gonna go i don't know what this means ask the victims names ask the victim if they remember any names from like telemarketers because right. he wouldn't have lied he would have right. used his actual name right and then morgan is gonna go look to see who works there who has misdemeanors that could have escalated um they're go- jj reed and hush are going through the paperwork and jj's like all of the victims were single and were over 35 and all of them mentioned buying books on babies and child rearing um and all they find out that all of the women checked the box on the questionnaire that consents to gave receive deals like phone calls about deals on pediatric supplies yeah so all the women were like please send me info about that so then they're like oh maybe he is he that guy that, that calls permission. right yeah. he took that as consent they want to know about they want pediatric deals so he's giving them a baby for free eh. uh then Not there's only one crawl i know like actually it's so gross i laugh but it's so gross um there's only one woman left who has ticked all the boxes. So then you see cops at the house, like knocking and stuff. And they're like, I guess she's not home. And she's tied up and the guy has a gun to her head. And then the police leave. So it cuts to the woman who's being taken. This is okay. I, well, let me get to it. She's taken into an ambulance. Morgan and Maggie Callahan are like, we don't know how he got inside. There's no sign of forced entry. We don't know. Hotch goes inside. And then Elle starts yelling at Maggie mm-hmm. Callahan that, like, why didn't they go in? Like, they were outside, he was inside. Yada, yada, yada. And Maggie is like, there was no legal reason for them to go inside, you know, but they left messages. And she's like, oh, great. They left the message right after the rapist's message. And Del basically, Derek basically, like, makes Elle go away. Um, this is one of those like, huh, huh, because on the one hand, Maggie's right. Yeah, the cops they have no reason to go into our house, and I hate it in cop shows when they're like, "Do you smell gas?" or like, "Is that a baby crying?" and they make up some excuse to go inside. And like, this is a case where like, the cops had no reason to go inside. They did everything right. It just so happened. The rapist was inside. 
already. And he already. had turned all the lights. It looked like nobody was home. It looks like yeah. she wasn't home. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And so I, it's one of those, like, if you, like, turn off your cops as an institution of bad brain, you want them to bust in and get yeah. the guy. But on the other hand, like, if that guy wasn't there and they did that, you'd be like, stop breaking the law. You can't just go into people's houses. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like... So Maggie's right. Callahan's a good cop. It like, yeah, Callahan's a good cop. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Oxymoron, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad that they like followed the law. They did everything that was right. I was very much on Maggie's side in this and not outside. But it, I mean, obviously like, you are we are always going to be frustrated when people get hurt. But I would rather the cops not break the law. And it's a very, like, it was like a very nuanced moment. And I'm really surprised Criminal Minds did that. That they had the nuance of, like, you're right. You did every, the cops did everything they can do legally. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, yeah, it really fucking sucks that this woman got raped because of it. You know? And I'm yeah. I'm surprised Criminal Minds gave that nuance, but I like it. Build your own icebergs, baby. Build your own icebergs. Uh, but then Hots just go inside, and the, one of the cops who's taking pictures is like, well, she's lucky it's only minor injuries. And Hots goes, hey, um, do me a favor. Don't tell her she's lucky. And I thought that was a really nice callback to that conversation yeah. at the college. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really is. And it also shows how, like, the BAU is much more specialized in dealing with things like this more regularly than cops are. Because so many yeah. rapes go unreported. Yeah. That, like, they're just like, oh, well, she's lucky it's not worse. Like, hey, be- hey yeah. don't, don't say that. I think this is, I don't want to say the first time, but it's one of the first times. And we'll see this again and again. It's one of the things of like the BAU recognizing how bad something is Mm -hmm. or like recognizing the seriousness of a situation where like our society has deemed rapes as, you know, not that bad. Yeah. But the BAU is like trauma is trauma, you know? And I think it goes back to their being. They are psychologists you know they study psychology and that helps them be better victims advocates hotch gideon and maggie are talking in the hotel room hotch poses like a goddamn model he really does every time i see him he like throws his suit back and puts a hand on his hip and the other hand on his window and he's like we gotta get this guy I'm always like, Thomas take Gibson. your suit off. He's hot. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's hot. All right. There's no new victims on the list. Like after that woman, there's no options. Um, and his company covers the whole Great Lakes area. So it's like he could do anything and go anywhere. So they have to wait now for more victims. And if they have to wait to find a new victim, so does the guy. So the option 
is to have somebody go undercover and they choose L. Here was my question. I said, why not JJ, who hasn't been traumatized? But I think she's too young. Because I think they, she would be. Yeah, because they said everyone so far has been over 35 and JJ, like myself, is only 28. <laughs> That's she is only... She is a little baby. She is only she's 28. She's only 28. Yeah. She's too young. So she's too young. And she's also not a profiler, which I don't think you would necessarily have to be. But I think this kind of like calls into question um, how much experience JJ has like in the field and what kind of training she has. Because I don't we think see she later. Has a ton. I don't think she has a ton, which I think why later in the Hankel episodes, it's like such a big deal that it was her and Reed. Because he's himself and she's not experienced in that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I thought it was, but I just thought it was interesting that she wasn't even like an option. option. Yeah. They didn't say like we could do L or JJ, let's do L. They just straight up were like L. Who is traumatized though? Yeah. Like all JJ had to do was like, like if it had been JJ, she would have just gone into the house and then left the house and then gone back. And been like, he's here, you know. But they did L for narrative purposes. So then we cut to Al getting wired. Um, you see the scars on her chest, which I thought was really interesting. But she was shot, wasn't she shot like in the tummy? Or was she shot like right in the chest? I think she was shot kind of in center mass there in the chest. Oh, that sucks ass. Um, okay. They asked for her backstory and she's divorced. They backdated her questionnaire by two days so that the unsub thinks he's already like running out of time, uh-huh. which I thought was interesting because if he's been processing them for that long, then like, would he be like, how did I miss this person? I don't know. I had some questions about that, but. Databases on like load at separate weird times, so like that does not seem unreasonable for me for like a marketing agency that like oh hey this database hasn't updated in three days. There's new shit here now. That makes sense. Um, they're like he's gonna need to study you, and he's gonna need to see you leave so that he can get into your house. So they were like, we're gonna get him on breaking and entering, and then we have a reason to get his DNA. And then they've got him. And then they got him. Um, they give her a gun and they're like, don't have the gun on you because if he sees it, he can get spooked. But like, have it near you. Derek's going to be sitting out in front. Hatch and Gideon are going to be around the corner in a surveillance van. He, and he, they're like, remember, you're wired, so we'll be with you at all times. And then Derek and Al fist bump, which I did like. Yeah. She, okay, they milf L out for this. Operation. The shirt, the wine red shirt, the wine red shirt buttoned up to her neck, silk with the little ruffles. I was like, Miss Greenaway, please, Miss Ma'am, Miss, like, like to me, her hot burgundy shirt that if you opened it, she'd be all like scarred and things. Like, oh, Ella's hot. Like Ella's hot. She's hot. She's hot and she's so mean. I like that. All right. As she's getting dressed and as she's like going into the house, we get flashbacks to Fisher King part two. Uh And it like keeps cutting. Like it's like a flashback. And then she's hugging 
she's like hugging her pillow all like weird on the couch and then it's she like she like sinks down <laughs> in the most uncomfortable sleeping like, position of I was all like, time i was like is this a nap pose is this like a sexual thing i was like what is with the way you're hugging this pillow miss greenaway so weird so weird flashback and then she's washing her face and then flashback and then it's nighttime and gideon's all like why isn't she leaving she needs to leave and then she she's like super weird in her body this whole scene she like sits down all like awkward and then turns the music on very formally yeah super just like stiff like she's like she's dissociating. Yeah, like she is really hardcore looks, dissociating. Yeah, like you can tell. And then Morgan calls the house, and she's standing there staring at the phone. And I realized he leaves voicemails. Yeah, like she's probably like that. Could, that's the unsub. What if I answered it? You know. Yeah. But she's not going to. So she's just like staring, disassociating. A car pulls up outside. Morgan calls Penelope, gives the license plate. He, it's a guy. He works at First Hand Media. Um, we see the picture. We recognize him. Elle, like, gets her gun out of her drawer and unsheaths it. And then she leaves the house. And Gideon's like, good. Get in the car. It's fine. But she has her gun behind her. And Gideon's all like, what the fuck are you doing? What is she doing? And they're like, oh, no, she's panicking. She's panicking. But she's, like, not panicking. She's very calm as she does all of this. Yeah, and she's, it's... I wish they had been clearer on if she was, like, fully dissociating or if she was, like, making con- like, making fully aware choices. Yeah. Because she's moving very mechanically. She's moving- she's stiff. She's out of it. She's, like, looking around. She, like, doesn't seem to be thinking or using her brain, like, at all. You know, she's, like, vacant- and then she grabs him and she's yelling at him and pointing her gun right at his head. And I was like, is she purposefully fucking this up because she's angry? Or is she just like, is this like a trauma response? Yeah. Is this you know? just her dissociating full stop? Yeah. Like, is this Elle's version of a trauma response? Or is she fucking it up on purpose you know like it, i i wish that had been a little clearer but i feel like the ambiguity is what they were going for yeah yeah unfortunately yeah um okay so she goes she pulls him out of the car he's like i was looking for my map i was looking for my map and then they find a map in the car so it's like ugh. i both that l looks drunk she's like standing there and like her eyes are kind of squinty and she's like looking around like she's not quite actually seeing anything she like looks drunk mm-hmm. and i was like she's having some sort of wild trauma response right now and nobody is checking on her you know it feels weird for a team full of profilers that none of them are like Maybe it's not good for our friend to be in this situation. Yeah, and Gideon... Well, let's get there. Gideon talks to her, and I want to talk about what he says. But the, So it cuts to an interrogation. Gideon and Hodge are questioning this guy. Derek and Reed are watching. And they're like, okay, this guy's 28 years old. He has a bachelor's degree. He's had 10 jobs. And then six months ago, his mom got pancre- pancreatic cancer, which is when this guy started raping women. And they're like, it's his one last chance to make his mother proud. By having a family. Fucked up. Fucked up. 
And so then the guy is like, well, like if they were trying to have babies and like I would be helping them if I were doing that. Lawyer shows up. The guy gets out. Elle's back. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The lawyer shows up. The guy gets out. If this man, they could have eat. I feel like they could have held him on something stalking related. Like, I well, feel like. No, I think I think the thing was, he said, I stopped to look at my map. And then he had a map in the passenger seat. It just felt to me like there was so much. Yeah, I think he had binoculars dude, or something. Because this dude worked for the company, was in the age range, did fit the profile, was found outside of somebody's house. Like, I feel like that's enough to be like, take a DNA test. Like, I feel well, like that's well, enough to, like, keep him a little bit longer. Well, here's the thing, right? We learn, uh, season three, episode one, we learned that you can hold someone for, like, 48 hours or, like, 72 hours before you have to let them go. So they could have kept this guy. But I yeah. think also they knew it was so circumstantial. They knew that all he had to say was, I stopped it for my map and you found a map in the car. Like, come on. Um, and I think also they were like, why don't you just offer a DNA sample then? Like, if it's not you, just offer it. And that's when the lawyer walked in. I know. I you just know. like, I feel like they let him go way too easy. You know, like, even though I the think- case is circumstantial at best, sure. Like, I think this is one of those things, though, where it's like, you know, we want people to get lawyers to protect That's them. true. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, how many times has Criminal Minds been like, oh, he asked for a lawyer, I'm going to keep talking to him. You know, it's like the same thing of, like, the police did all they could, you know? And then, like, we want people to get lawyers. It just, like, the show, this is where that propaganda gets you. Right, he's so clearly guilty that yeah. we don't want him to get a lawyer. We yeah. want, we know he's in there. We want the police to go in there, but no, we don't. We want the police to do what they did. We want people to get off when they have a lawyer with them. You know, it's just that the show makes it clear that he's the guy. Yeah, but but in terms of protecting people's rights. Everything that should happen just happened this episode. I get it. I feel like there's a lot of evidence against him, though. But, like, is there? There is, though. I mean, he's... They've arrested people so many times on, like, you fit the profile and you've worked at X or Y company. They've done that before, and it's like... Well, they arrest them to question them. And then they have to stop when someone asks for a lawyer. And so they arrested this guy, they questioned him, and they stopped when he got a lawyer. I just feel like we've seen a lot of times that they continue even when the lawyer is there. Because the lawyer is there for you present at questioning, right? Like, Right. I mean, that's the thing, right? The lawyer could have let the guy go. But, like, again, the guy is guilty. So if the lawyer had let him keep being questioned, it would have been bad. You know, yeah. It's like, it's it's like one of those things like- where the lawyer is doing the right thing, but, like, Fuck this guy, you know. <laughs> I think that's the Fuck thing, this right? Guy. This guy, this lawyer though, does have a sick ass suit. I will say, oh, yeah. this lawyer looks good as fuck. He walks in and goes, "Don't say anything. I'm taking him." See, I but I think this episode, like just that moment, is like such a good example of like propaganda. Yeah, where it it's is. like this guy is so clearly guilty. We want him to be arrested and we want him to be punished. That 
when the lawyer comes in, we're mad that this guy is getting his constitutional rights. Yeah. You know, and like the guy, we know the guy's in the house. So we're mad when the police don't just break in without a warrant. You know, like this is how they get you. Make your own icebergs. Yeah. It's like we have to be aware of that, you know, and like, yeah, it fucking sucks because he it was in the house and that is the guy. But at the same time, like, we need law enforcement to follow the law. And that's follow what they're the doing. Rules. Yeah. It's just that, like, the show is purposefully. It's so good. But the show, the show is, the show is, usually doesn't have them follow the law. But in this episode, they're having them follow the law while making the person that is being protected so hateable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like, see? Don't you wish they were doing their normal thing of breaking the law? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, don't you seriously, wish though, they broke the law? That's like, but like, seriously, that's like what this episode is doing. You yeah. know, if they if they broke the law, this guy would be arrested right now. But you guys are all about like police. But following everybody the law wants and... their constitutional amendments protected. Yeah. That's what this episode is doing, and I definitely feel it. Like I want this dude to fucking suffer. But at the same time. Like, let's give people their constitutional rights. You know? <laughs> this this actor is really good at playing a fucking sleazebag, oh, by the I way. I hate this guy so much. Jason London, he has made a film career out of playing a sleazebag. And like, I get I hate it. this guy. His face is so, no offense to this guy, but his face is so sleazeworthy. I mean, clearly he thinks so. That's what he plays all the time. Yeah. He literally does play sleaze sleaze bags. That's it. Yeah. The guy leaves. He walks past Elle, who is now dressed in all black and a black leather jacket. Again, it's a good look. It's a good look. It's a good look. Elle Greenaway is attractive. Short hair hair Elle could get it. Yeah, honestly, short hair L would not call me back after we made out at a party once, but I would be like kind of okay with that. But like, yeah. I would tell the story of how I made out with short hair L for the rest of my life. It fucking exactly, exactly. She wouldn't every now call and me then, back, but that's okay. Every now and then, I'd be like, "God, remember that girl? What was her name? L that I made out with at that party? She was hot." <laughs> that's L Greenaway. Yeah, no, she yeah. never texted me. Um, but I think I saw her at the Tridel bash last year. So maybe if we go back this year, I might <laughs> listen, no, she never texted me back, which I'm only sad about because I did want to sleep with her. But honestly, <laughs> like I did get to like kiss her face and that's enough for me. I was kind well, of okay with that. Yeah, exactly. She wouldn't I'll text me back. I'll treasure that memory okay. forever. Yeah. <laughs> that's out. Okay. Elle is yelling at Hotch and Gideon for letting him go and Elle's like oh I should trust you the last time I trusted you you got me shot so clearly she's placing the blame on him when first off it's no one's fault second off it's Anderson's fault yeah not Hotch's anyway Gideon is like, okay, here, I need your thoughts on this moment. Okay. Gideon is like, Al, let's talk in private. They go talk in private. And he's like, I think we need to get some air. And while you're getting air, take the time to think about your job 
and what you're capable of. And then she goes and shoots this man. And Gideon's like literally the embodiment of the like mouth open, like, huh? Emoji. Surprise Pikachu face. <gasps> yeah. And I was just like, Gideon, what the fuck does think about what you're capable of mean? Like, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like, hey, Al, get some air, go shoot this guy. Or if it was like, calm the fuck down. What is your problem? Like, I literally couldn't tell. Thoughts? I think maybe it's like a you're better than your trauma. You're better than this sleaze bag. I just like the phrase of like, get some air, think about your job and think about what you're capable of. It's weird, right? It almost does sound like he's encouraging her to like, get that justice. Yeah. Like you're you're capable of killing this man. But I, I don't know if it's like supposed to be that or if it's supposed to be like, you could go far in this career. So don't throw it away. Think of all the things sure. you're capable of. of. Think yeah, of all think the of job, think know? of the future. Think, think of, of what, what you, you can, can do. do. Think of yeah. who you can help, not just kill this one dude. Yeah, I think yeah. it's. I think he means it as a think of how far you could go, kind of thing. It's just such a. But weird... it does kind of come off as like, well, if you want to shoot the guy, I'm not going to say no. And also, like, he sends her off alone. Why does nobody accompany her back to the hotel? That was the thing that really confused me. He was like, go get some air. And I was like, she can't go home. You, you're her flight. <laughs> you're her ride back to DC. Like, what does go get some air, think of what you're capable of, mean? So then she, like, leaves. She stomps off and Reed tries to touch her arm. And she, like, throws her arm and, like, throws him away. And then she drives off. So then we cut to the hotel. Hotch, Gideon, and Maggie are talking. And Gideon's like, well, at least you know who he is now. You just have to wait for him to slip up. You know, which, like, which is true. Keep an eye on I him. Tr- He's going to do this again. You know, catch him the next time. And Gideon is very much rightly so like, I'd put my money on you in this case. He's yeah. not smarter than you. Because this no. cop is obsessive and a tryhard and doing her best. And I love yeah. her. <laughs> but also like... <laughs> Now he thinks he can get away with it. And so he's going to make a mistake. He's going to do it again. And we know that, like, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's doing these women a service. He thinks he can get away with it. All they have to do is wait another, what, five days? And then they'll get him. But, yeah. And then he says, hey, popping bottles in the ice. He says, wheels up at noon tomorrow. Hey, clink, clink. Second wheels up. We went from none for 26 episodes to two in one episode. Two in one episode. Oh, my God. An embarrassment of riches. Literally, I've... No, I've had this entire bottle of champagne. It's a a parking lot. A car pulls in. It's the guy. His, what was his name? It was like Lee or something. Yeah, Lee. Lee. Gets out. Elle is there. She like walks out of nowhere. Like out of the mist, Elle appears. (laughs) She just appears out of the darkness (laughs) like like the angel of death. It's like one frame, she's not there. And then she's there. And she's like, is this what you do? Wait until they get home. And the guy's like, I would never have hurt them. 
you let me go, you know? And I was like, I didn't do anything. I drew um, a sad face with teeth. <laughs> Spiky teeth. I was like, no. And he's like, you're so pretty. And she's like, excuse me? What did you just say to me? And he's like, you can take a man to take care of you. And she's like, oh, like you took care of those women? And he's like, yeah, actually. Um, hey, you freed me. And he gets like super close and is like, you wanted me to say thank you. And I was like, I didn't do shit. And he's like, thank you. You've made a lot of women very happy. And then he walks away. And then Elle's like, hey, Lee. And he turns around and she just shoots him twice. Just, just pew pew, pop pop, pop pop. That's it. Say, yeah. And then there's like a little montage of her just like staring at him from different angles, which was like, I think that's meant to say that she is setting the scene, that she is making it look like he was drawing his weapon. I think that's what that's implying, but it is just kind of (laughs) weird. It was super weird. It's just super weird. Like, I get it. She's, like, staging the body. Mm-hmm. But it's super weird. And then when the police show up, Maggie's like, what happened? And I was like, I-, I stayed at his apartment, and then I went to talk to him, and he drew his weapon. So I shot him. And, like, okay, yeah, that's self-defense. But Maggie is just like, no, nah, she just needs to be processed. She'll get her gun and badge back by tomorrow. But part of me is, like, Sorry, Maggie, are you not going to be like, why are you here? Why are you talking to him? Why is Elle talking to this guy? Like, why? Like, there's no reason for Elle to be here. And the fact that she is, that raises enough questions on its own. But Maggie's just like, what else? Um, I mean, I think Maggie was already planning on putting him under surveillance. I'm surprised they didn't already have him under surveillance of some kind. So I think she probably was just like, getting a head start thanks l like yeah she must have thought of that that gideon and hatchet sent l that's what i have to imagine yeah. is what she thought of like all right well somebody needs to watch them tonight mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. police get there tomorrow morning to to watch him yeah. or whatever and then gideon is like pikachu face and then <laughs> he's so shocked he's so shocked and then l is like getting into the car and she looks at him i wrote hot evil l era She's hot, but also she looks at him and she's like, <laughs> yeah, I fucking murdered that man. Sorry. Um, not sorry. Um, yeah. It's just like crazy. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is the moment. Here we go. It's the moment you were waiting for. It's the moment. L, girl boss or girl murderer. Huh. Here's. Do Leo, you have, do you have thoughts? No, or can I don't I... have thoughts. I, you begin. I'll jump okay. in. Okay. So here's kind of the division of the fandom. I've seen a lot of people be like, hell yeah, kill that murderer. But then people are like, yeah, but she's kind of just like a cop. <laughs> who killed a dude and got away with it. Yeah. So I think for, for me, okay. <clears throat> for me, 
in a real life situation, a cop murdering a man in cold blood, which it was, is bad. Whether or not he's committed a crime, he should be put through the legal system and should not just be shot because he called you pretty. Mm -hmm. In the world of criminal minds, which is fiction, Mm -hmm. in a fictional world where it is 100% clear that this man is the rapist, I do support Elle shooting him. And I think for me, that's where the conversation is nuanced, right? Where like, I don't support cops killing people point blank, but also Criminal Minds is fake. And there's Criminal Minds is a fake TV show. Yeah. And also there's in the fake world of Criminal Minds, there is no doubt that this man committed these crimes. And I don't know if I support the death penalty or not in real life. I don't know. I I don't know. It's complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like instinct, gut reaction versus how do I feel about people being killed by the state, you know? But in the fictional world of Criminal Minds, girl boss and girl murderer. I think... Yes, just because Criminal Minds plays like it is in the real world does not mean that it is. And there are a lot of things in this show that are just incredibly unrealistic, right? Yes. In the context of this show, Girl Murderer writes. (laughs) Girl Murderer writes. In the context of real life, obviously not good. But in like this show, however much it tries to make itself feel realistic, is not, and therefore, girl murderer rights. I think Elle should be allowed to murder people. <laughs> yeah, that's like exactly correct. I yeah, I think that's kind of like. Now here's the thing: people in the fandom, and when I say in the fandom, I mean on Tumblr because that's pretty much the only fandom social media I'm on, for real. People get really mad because they compare supporting Elle to supporting cops killing people. But I think this is one of those situations where we have to distinguish like fictional storytelling from real life situations. IRL, bad. In mm-hmm. Criminal Minds, hot. It's fine. Sexy. Yeah, exactly. But also, I think something important to note is that within the world of Criminal Minds, it's bad, right? Like, her choice yeah. to kill this man leads to her losing her job. Hotch and Gideon do not condone her actions, you know? So, like, me saying, oh, it's so sexy of Al to shoot this murderer, you know, can co- it can coexist with, in real life, Cops should not kill people point blank in cold blood. And these two things can coexist at the same time. There, you know, multiple truths can coexist at the same time. But I I think here's the thing. If if criminal minds had framed it as a positive thing, I might feel differently. Yeah. But Criminal Minds, the TV show, does show that Elle was in the wrong. 
yeah, the Criminal Minds TV show does not go easy on Elle in this aftermath. In yeah. the wake of what happens. It does not. Which I think is important. Like, yeah. sure, I can say I think it's fun when Elle murders people. I think it's fun and sexy of her. The show punishes her for this act. I feel like it is important to say the show very much punishes her for this act. Yes. So, like, it's okay if I think it's funny because the show does not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it's funny that she murders this dude. That's okay because I'm one person and my opinion of a thing should never influence how you enjoy it. (laughs) But also, I'm one person. The show kicks her ass for it. That's it. Congrats. Congrats. I think it's funny that she murders this dude. Girl murderers for life, besties. Let's go. It's like that thing of like a serial killer. Ew. A female serial killer? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I do think that that's probably my final opinion on it is that like I I want this this rapist to be dead. Correct. And at the same time, I am happy. I am grateful that Criminal Minds, the TV show, condemns L for having killed him. Correct. And at the same time, in real life, if this happened, I would be very angry. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a good example of that kind of, it's the first example in Criminal Minds, I think, really of the like, divide between what I accept from a fictional show and what I would accept in real life. You know what I mean? Yes. Hey, guys, what you see on the TV is not real, and it's okay. It can't (laughs) hurt you. It's okay. Yeah, like, I I think it's important to remember that Criminal Minds is fake and that this is a fictional world you know and that like in terms of storytelling in terms of telling a story l killing this guy was the correct direction for the story to go you know yeah and within the story criminal minds punishes it and i'll give you um an example of of a moment that really i really hate and it's from orange is the new black and this is a trigger warning rape even though people don't like to consider it like that um in orange is the new black who's the black-haired one alex yeah i think so i haven't alex, watched orange is the new black in forever i uh, mean neither but this moment sticks with me because alex tells pensatucky like because pensatucky is homophobic alex tells pensatucky like i'm gonna sneak into your room one night and i'm gonna eat you out and it's gonna be like the best thing you've ever experienced and then you're gonna stop being homophobic that's rape bestie Mm -hmm. but the show never condemns alex for having said that within the context of the show alex is right for having threatened pensatucky because she's a homophobe so it's like justified to threaten her with rape because she's homophobic. And that's a moment that's always stuck with me because people on Tumblr especially will say like, oh my God, that's so hot. I wish Alex said that to me. But it's like Aww. in within the show, Alex threatened to rape Pensataki. Yeah. And that's not good. You know, so, so for me, like if Criminal Minds had celebrated Elle 
for having shot this guy, if it hadn't put Al in the wrong, I would feel very differently about this moment. Yes. But because it condemned her actions and because Al was in the wrong and it led to Al's dismissal, Mm-hmm. I think, I think, fuck yeah, oh, shoot that bitch. Oh. Yeah. Narratively, I think, it's great. Exactly. Narratively, it's great. Sure, yeah. if this happened in real life, we would all feel very differently. But this is a television program. Yeah. And narrative is king above all. Yeah. And I think even later in later seasons of Criminal Minds, we don't get that narrative commendation, condemnation. Um, like with the whole thing about Emily. Well, quick spoiler alert for season fucking like fourteen. You know when Emily deletes evidence to help Spencer, that is seen as the right thing to do by the show. Yeah, and I don't like that. It's, it's not. You know, Linda Barnes is a bitch, and I hate her, but she had some good points <laughs> about the team running wild. You know, and yeah. the fact that Criminal Minds went out of its way to only show her as a villain is like them approving of the BAU breaking the law. Bestie, I'm so drunk. I will keep talking forever, okay. saying the same thing over and over again. I really need well, you to pilot the ship right now. I got you then. No, Thank we you. were wrapping up anyway. It's fine. Okay. Rank this on a scale of one to ten, Bestie. I'm going to give this episode a five. A five. A solid middle-of-the-road episode. Well, yeah, because, like, for me, not so much because it's middle-of-the-road, but because, like, I think there were... I think, narratively, this might be Criminal Minds, like, tightest episode. Like, there were okay. a lot of themes that were actually carried to the full episode. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. liked that we saw Elle's... Like, we understood what led her to shoot this man. Yeah. But also, again, I got 12 minutes in and was like, so we're wrapping it up now or what? You know? (laughs) (laughs) It did the thing of like, very little happened, but it took so long. (laughs) Yeah. I think narratively though, this is such a tight episode. I feel like I want to give it like a seven. I was just gonna say, actually, I'll it's give a this episode. Good ep- no, you know what? You're so right. I'm gonna give this episode a seven. I think it's better than middle of the road, but it is yes. not the best of the best. It's better yeah. than average. Yeah, you know what? Because now through you know, I do my screenshots and gifts, and I've been trying to find the timeline and all that. I've watched this episode a few times now, and every time I'm like caught up in Elle's journey, especially at the end. Like, yeah, as soon as they start wiring Elle for her undercover work, I'm like, you're like, oh shit, oh, shit. you are yeah. buckled <laughs> in. You are buckled yeah. the fuck in for the Elle Greenaway yeah. Trauma Express. Like, <laughs> speaking of derailed, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, actually, like, exactly. It's just real good. Did they say the episode title in the episode Aftermath? Aftermath? No, I don't think they did. But you know but what? They, they, they did said say, yeah, they said wheels up twice, so it made up for it. <laughs> yes, 
Bestie, I think Next that's time. a whole bottle of champagne. Oh, sorry. I know you did. I know you did. Let me, I will outro us so we can be done. I have a quote, though. I do have a quote. Okay, good, 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 good. Next time on Wheels Up, we'll be watching Season 2, Episode 6, The Boogeyman. Sober. We will both be watching this episode sober. I gotta say, I got through one and a half Mike's Hards. Weak. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> I drank too much for far too long for this to affect me. No amount of like two years of sobriety is going to break that shit. Uh, James, though, did have an entire fucking bottle of champagne. So uh, <laughs> we're done with this episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wheels Up Pod. You can follow us on t- pump Tumblr at Wheels Up. up, up, up. Let me redo all of that. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter. Instagram and Tumblr at Wheels Up Pod. Uh, and we post episodes every other week. That's it. We're done. Goodbye. Yeah. Jay, do you have an ending quote for me? I do. As as Al Greenaway says, here's to winning. Here's to winning. They said Wheels Up twice. <laughs>